Hallelujah. How many of you were able to attend the Believers Convention this week? Hold up your hand. Did you enjoy it? Praise God. How many of you are here that may be not members of this church, but you stayed over after the convention to be here? All right, there's a few of you. Praise God. We welcome you. Thank you for coming. And we trust that you'll be blessed and inspired by the message today. All right, look at somebody and say, fasten your seatbelts. Or tell them, you may want to even loosen them. I don't know. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, first of all, I want to say something this morning. That as the founding pastor of this church and as the apostolic authority, I have been directed by the Spirit of God to endeavor to clear the air on a subject that has recently created a lot of controversy in the body of Christ. And that subject is tithing. So, I want us to look at the scripture. Now, know this, I'm not arguing with anybody. I'm not in strife with anybody. In fact, some of the teaching that is taking place right now on tithing, I know the people. They're friends of mine. And I I love them. And uh, I'm not endeavoring to create any kind of confusion. But I think as the founding pastor and the apostle of this church, you need to hear my view. Amen. And and I'm going to give it to you from the way I see it from the word of God. So look at your neighbor and tell them again, fasten your (laughs) seatbelts. Amen. Now, let me begin this before we open to the scripture with a few comments. I grew up in a family where I heard about tithing as a young boy. Did anybody else hear about tithing when you were young? I didn't know a lot about it simply because I didn't read the Bible back then. The only story I ever read in the Bible as a, as a young boy was the story of Samson and Delilah. <laughs> I don't know. I had, I had seen that movie come out. Uh, it came out back in, I believe, 40s or 50s, probably 50s, maybe even early 60s. But I think it was in the 50s. And it, uh, Samson was played by Victor Mature. And uh, I was so impressed with that story. And not only that, I had... I had selfish motives. I was little. I told my mom, I'm growing my hair out so I can get strong like Samson. <laughs> she didn't go for that. But anyway, and I certainly didn't even know what a Nazarite vow was, you know. But anyway, uh, that's about the only story I'd ever read in the Bible. Now, I remember later hearing about David and Goliath, you know. But I, I do nothing about the Bible. I didn't had no idea it was something you could live by, that you could base your life on. I just thought it was a history book full of stories of people that happened a long, long time ago. And most of those stories I was not interested in. So I didn't read them. I didn't read the Bible. I did go to a, a little Baptist church down at the end of our road. And uh, it was called Pinecroft Baptist Church. Our pastor's name was Brother Jerry Smoker. And uh, I thought the world of Brother Smoker. He was, a, he was a fine man. 
I knew he loved the Lord. I knew he, he, he lived a, a Christian life. And the only time I ever heard him mention tithing was briefly when he received the offering on Sunday morning. Now, I never heard it talked about in my home. I didn't hear my mom and dad talk about tithing. I'm not even sure that they tithed. Now, I remember having to sit next to them in church as a young boy so mom could make me behave. Anybody remember those days? How many of you remember your mama could pinch and dare you to not open your mouth? Because when you got home, it got worse. Anybody remember those days? So I remember when the offering plate would come by, dad would put money in there, but he never said anything to me or I never heard at home that it was tithe. I just thought it was an offering. And, uh, uh, and I'm not sure what it was, but, uh, I assume that it was just whatever he felt like doing. And probably even though he loved God, my mom and dad loved God and uh, they endeavored to raise us in a Christian home. And, um, but I, I assume that it was more of a token than it was a tithe. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, just, just whatever he wanted to give in the offering. Okay. So I didn't know anything about tithing other than just hearing the word mentioned briefly, uh, by brother Smooker on Sunday morning when the offering was received. So I just ignored it. And I really never began tithing until I finally surrendered my life to the Lord in 1969. And once I did uh, surrender my life to the Lord, I had this idea that tithing was my obligation, that it was a religious duty. And if I didn't do it, God would be upset with me. Anybody ever think that way? And, of course, the famous tithing chapter in the Bible, Malachi chapter 3. And I would hear the preacher talk about, if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. Anybody ever heard that? Okay, so I wanted to, I wanted to please God as best I knew how. So I tithed primarily out of fear that God would be upset with me. Now, I've been running from God all these years. Now I'm endeavoring to serve God and I certainly didn't want to do anything that would be offensive to him or would not please him. So my thinking was I'm tithing out of religious duty and religious obligation. Amen. So it was not until many years later. Now I tithe all this time, but it was not until many years later that I heard Oral Roberts make this statement. Tithing is not a debt that I owe, it's a seed that I sow. I, I wrote that down, and, and I got the message back then on, on cassette. This is 1981. Now, from 69 to 81, I tithed all those years, faithfully, but not with that kind of attitude that Oral Roberts mentioned. He said, it's not a debt that I owe, it is a seed that I sow. So that's the first time I ever thought about tithing as not a debt that I owe. 
Anybody here listening to me? Because most people today, uh, if they tithe, if they tithe, and there's a small percentage of Christians that do, every, you know, every once in a while they come out with a, with a survey showing and reports showing uh, the number, the percentage of Christians in America alone that tithe, and it's a very small percent. But many of them that do, they have that same thinking that I had. It's a religious obligation. They do it out of fear. I don't want God mad at me. I certainly don't want to be accused of robbing God. And I certainly don't want that curse that is mentioned, that's mentioned in Malachi 3. You're cursed with a curse. Ooh. I don't want to be cursed with a curse. Anybody like being under a curse? <laughs> no. So uh, attitude has a lot to do with it. And of course, attitude comes from revelation. A proper attitude, I would say, comes from revelation. So it's not a debt that owe. Say that with me. It's not a debt that owe. Say it again. It's not a debt that I owe. It is a seed that I sow. Amen. So that changed my thinking immediately. And it became a joy for me to tithe. Not a, not a, not a religious obligation, but a joy for me to begin uh, to tithe from that moment on. And that's the attitude I've had ever since then. I don't look at tithing as a chore. I don't look at it as a, a command or demand. I look at it as a privilege. Not only that, but it's the least I can do to, to thank God for what he's done for me. Amen. Amen. I live an extremely blessed life today because of God, because of what Jesus did. Amen. And the least I could do is honor him with my substance. Amen. So I have a different attitude about tithing than a lot of Christians today have. So it's not a debt that I owe. It is a seed that I sow. And, and that, that, one, that one statement changed my thinking and changed my attitude about tithing. I look forward to it. I, I, don't, I don't wait to write my tithe check when I come to church. I have it in advance because I'm looking forward to it. I want it out of my hand and into God's hands as quickly as I can get it there. Praise God. Amen. So uh, I, I look forward to tithing and I've been faithful to do so over 52 years now. And I attribute it to the blessed life that I presently live. Amen. I recommend tithing. I could close right there and it'd be over. I recommend tithing, but with a different attitude. Okay. That's the main point I want to make with a different attitude. I not only tithe personally, but I tithe out of Jerry Seville Ministries International. The, the worst way you can, or the quickest way you can get in trouble with me is use my tithe in the ministry for something else. We don't use it for anything else. We have a tithe account in JSMI. And, and it is used to support other ministries and to help people and, and, and to do uh, with it however the Lord directs me. Amen. Amen. And I'm the one in charge 
of where it's distributed. Because I'm, I'm, God's allowed me to be the head of this ministry. So I have the right to make that decision. Not only that, but I think you might be pleased to know, we tithe from Heritage of Faith as well. 10% of the income that comes into Heritage of Faith goes into a tithe account and it's distributed. And you better not touch my tithe. (laughs) Amen. You better not use it for something else. That is to help other ministries. There are a lot of, there, there, we have a lot of preachers in this congregation and, and many of them, uh, that I know of, and I've become acquainted with, become friends with, we, we tithe into their ministries from the offerings and tithes that, that you give into heritage. Not only that, but it's, it's what we use to help people in need, uh, as, as we're directed. So we, we operate this church on 90% of its income. I operate Jerry Savelle Ministries International on 90% of its income. Now, let me add this. Usually every month, what we give is far greater than 10% out of JSMI and far greater than 10% out of Heritage of Faith. That's just minimum. I look at the 10% as a, a, a standard, okay? Uh, and and I, I encourage people, if, if they can't give 10%, don't get under uh, condemnation, but set it as a goal. Set it as a goal. Set it as your standard that, that someday I'm going to get to the place where I can give 10%. And then once you get there, because God will keep blessing you. He'll keep increasing your income. Raise it. And raise it with joy. Hallelujah. Anybody listening to me this morning? Am I helping you so far? All right, now, let me say this. I do it as an act of my own free will. I'm not made to. I do it as an act of my own free will. And I consider it a joy. And believe me, it has worked big time for me. So I just want to announce, I'm going to keep on doing it. Whatever you decide is your business. But as for me and my house, we're going to keep right on tithing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because it works. <laughs> it works. Anybody else say it works? Praise God. Now, however, for the sake of clarity, let's look into the word of God as to what it says. Amen. Because I like basing everything I do on it is written. Praise God. So, Tony, could you take this case for me? I'll throw it to you. Thank you. So, I know there are a lot of people watching uh, live this morning. uh, And, and of course, our messages uh, go out on YouTube later and all that kind of thing. Facebook and whatever. So, I know there will be a lot of people watching. And I hope I can help answer some of their questions right along with all of you in this auditorium this morning. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. The very first time that the word tithe is mentioned in the Bible is Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. Now, there are other phrases prior to this, but I'm talking about the word tithe. And here... 
beginning in verse 17, and the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham after his return from the slaughter of those enemies. Verse 18, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the most high God. And he, Melchizedek, blessed him, Abraham. Melchizedek, as the priest of God, is blessing Abraham. He said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. Now notice Melchizedek is attributing this successful win over those enemies to God. Amen? He, he's, he's saying, blessed is the most high God, or blessed be Abraham of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth, who hath delivered you out of the hands of your enemies. So he's attributing that success to God. And then Abraham gave him tithes of all. Gave his tithes of all to Melchizedek the priest. And if you study the Bible closely, we're going to get over to it in just a moment. But in the book of Hebrews, Melchizedek is a type of Jesus. Okay? A type of Jesus who was to come. And obviously, he is our high priest. Can you say amen? He's the high priest of a better covenant founded upon better promises. So notice here, he gave tithes of all. Now, immediately after this battle, and Melchizedek blessed Abraham, Abraham gave Melchizedek tithes of all, which literally means a tenth of the spoils. According to the scripture, Melchizedek is a type of Christ because he had great authority as a king and a priest. In the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, the writer repeats this very same story. So let's go there and look at it. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. I'm going to take my time this morning. We've got plenty of time. It's only 1036. Hallelujah. The doors are locked. You're not going anywhere. Praise the Lord. (laughs) You did lock the doors, Pastor Phil, right? Okay. (laughs) Now, every once in a while, I may put my glasses on uh, and uh, don't be shocked. It's still me. I, I, don't have to, I don't have to wear glasses to read unless my eyes are tired. And I've been preaching all week. Okay. So if I put my glasses on, it's just to help me from the tiredness. Okay. Because uh, uh, you, you may have heard my story where when I turned 70 which was five years ago, I had to go and renew my driver's license. And I told Carolyn, I said, I don't think I need glasses anymore for distance or reading. And so I went to the driver's license bureau. And when it came my turn, they, you know, told me to come up to that slide. And she said, "Uh, you have a restriction on your license. Where's your glasses? I said, I didn't bring them. They're in the car. She said, well, you need to have your glasses to read this. I said, I don't need them anymore. She said, you're 70 years old. 
It says on here you have you have a restriction. You have to wear glasses. Go get your glasses. I said, would you at least let me try to read this without them? So she let me do it. And I read everything on there. She said, wait a minute. She took out the slide and put another one in. She said, something's wrong with this slide. She put another one in. I read everything on there. She said, this beats anything I've ever seen. You're 70 years old and you don't need glasses anymore. I'm going to take the restriction off your license. Hallelujah. Amen. But I, I, I used them. I don't have to have them for distance, but I use them from time to time for reading just simply because I read so much and my eyes get tired. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So don't accuse me of not being a faith man because I wear glasses. <laughs> All right. Now, people come up with the corniest things. Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Now, does that sound like the same story we just read in Genesis chapter 14? All right, let's continue. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Now, there is the definition of tithe. A tenth part of all. First being by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Does that sound familiar to anybody? King of righteousness and king of peace. So Melchizedek is a type of Christ. And what did he do? He received tithes. Keep that in mind. As a type of Christ... He received tithes. He goes on to say that he was without father, without mother, without descent, uh, having neither beginning of days nor end of days, but made unto the Son of God, made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Okay, so there's, there's the basis for us knowing that Melchizedek was a type of Christ in Abraham's day. Okay, everybody's still with me. Now, we see the biblical meaning, once again, of the word tithe, which would uh, mean a tenth part of all. A tenth part of all. Now, it's important to understand. Look at your neighbor and say, now listen up. It's important to understand what we just read in Genesis 14 Abraham giving tithes to Melchizedek, the priest of God, happened 430 years before the law. It was not a command of God for Abraham to do so. It was a choice Abraham made. Now, as we continue reading, I want you to be aware of the fact that choice is different than command. Say this with me. Choice versus command. Say it again. Choice versus command. Now, when I didn't know, prior to 1981, I tithed basically out of command. It was my religious duty. But later as I began to study this, and particularly my study began on that 
that comment that Oral Roberts made because I'd never seen it that way. It's not a debt that I owe. It's a seed that I sow. So now I began tithing by choice and not by command. I choose to do it. And I still choose to do it. I hope I'm helping you here. All right, now, let's uh, look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And look at verse uh, 17, I believe. Yeah, I did. Uh, hold on, I need to correct that. So when Terry Cable types these notes up, she won't be wrong too. It's Galatians 3.17. Galatians 3.17. Paul speaking. And this I say, that the covenant... That was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after. Notice from the the, uh, time that Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek, we're talking about 430 years later, the Mosaic law came. Okay? Under the Mosaic law, it was by command. Prior to that, it was by choice. Abraham chose to do it. You, you can't find anywhere. Uh, God began his introduction to Abram as he was known then in Genesis chapter 12. The first time his name is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 11. It talked about he was the son of Terah. Terah. Okay. But then in Genesis chapter 12, is when God introduced himself to Abram, later changed his name to Abraham, and one of the first things he told him was this, get out of your father's house, leave uh, your kindred, and go to a place that I will tell the earth. What was the purpose of that? It was because his father was an idol worshiper. Abraham did not learn tithing from his father. His father was an idol worshiper. He had raised Abraham and his siblings in a city called Haran. And Haran was a city that practiced idolatry. So the purpose of God getting Abraham out of his father's house, away from his kindred, and out of that city was to introduce him to the Most High God and a new way of thinking and a new way of living. Amen. Amen. And and he chose, remember this now, he chose Abraham, the Bible says, because he knew, he chose Abraham to enter into covenant with because he knew he would teach and train his children. So whatever Abraham learned When he began to walk with the Most High God, he taught it to his children. Abraham was a tither. 
So I assume he taught tithing to Isaac. Isaac taught it to Jacob. And so on and so on and so on. Okay? Everybody still with me? All right, now. So 430 years before the law. It's also interesting to make note that there's no reference from Genesis 12 to Genesis 14 of God commanding Abraham to tithe. No reference of God telling Abraham that he had to give a tenth of all. It was Abraham who decided to do that. It was by choice. It's also important to know that Abraham, as I mentioned, didn't learn this from his father because his father was an idol worshiper. Amen. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, let's let's go back and make sure that we're all on the same page, both in the Bible and in our thinking. (laughs) Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, From thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. Curse him that curseth thee. And in thee all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay. Now, immediately God began to honor what he just promised Abraham. Look at chapter 13 and verse 2. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Very rich. Look at your neighbor and say, very rich. So God honored what he promised Abraham. He said, I will bless you. That means empower to prosper. And he gave us proof that he did keep his promise in Genesis 13, 2. He blessed Abraham and he made him very rich. Wealthy. So once again, Abraham giving tithes was not out of obligation, nor out of demand or command. It was out of respect and honor for all that God had done for him. He blessed him financially. He blessed him uh, uh, socially. He, he blessed him in every way. And then he delivered him out of the hands of those enemies. And, and Abraham said, to himself, what's the least I could do for God doing all this for me? I'll give him a tenth. And since Melchizedek is God's representative, I'll give it to him. Okay? And he did so by choice and not by command. Okay? Now, Genesis chapter 21. Let's go there a little later in Abraham's life. Everybody still following me? Oh, you're quiet. You're taking it in. Hallelujah. That's what I was trusting you would do. Genesis chapter 21. And the Lord had visited Sarah, as he said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Okay. And verse five says, and Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Okay. So there's 
quite a number of years that have passed from the time that God first introduced himself to Abram as the most high God until now that Abraham and Sarah have had this promised son. And then you remember that God in the next chapter asked Abraham to offer his son Isaac. Now let's go to chapter 22, verse three. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here uh, with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Make note of that last phrase. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again. Abraham fully intended to bring Isaac back. Why? Because God had promised Abraham would have a son. And from this son would come a mighty nation. And dead boys can't produce mighty nations. Not only that, the book of Hebrews tells us that Abraham saw all of this in a figure which is just another word for a vision. He saw him doing this and he saw himself bringing Isaac back with him. Okay. So contrary to how Hollywood portrays this, Abraham didn't bawl and squall. He was the father of faith. He didn't hesitate. He did exactly what God told him to do. Knowing that God was not a man that he should lie And he would keep his promise. He would keep his covenant. God says, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that's come from my lips. So Abraham was fully assured that he's going to bring his son back because that son was responsible for producing a mighty nation. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout. Praise God. Amen. Now, do you remember here Let's, let's keep reading. Verse six, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father and said, now this is proof that Abraham did exactly what God said he would do. And the reason for which God chose Abraham to enter into covenant with. He taught his children. How do we know that? Because Isaac says right here, uh, father, we have the wood, we have the fire. Where's the lamb? How would he know about that if he hadn't been taught? So this is not the first time that Isaac is aware of his father making sacrifices to God, burn offerings or whatever. This is not something new that Isaac is just now finding out about. He knew about it and he even questioned his father. Uh, Father, we have the fire, we have the wood, where's the lamb? And this is where God, uh, this is where Abraham spoke some of the most powerful words you will ever hear in your life. My son, God will provide. My son, God will provide. Amen. Amen. God had already proved to Abraham prior to this 
that he was a provider. I I wrote in my notes, Abraham was a tither and God was his provider. I thought I'd get a better response out of that. Abraham was a tither and God was his provider. Uh, Where's Danny? Danny ought to come up with a song on that, okay? (laughs) Abraham was a tither and God was his provider. Jerry is a tither and God is his provider. Hallelujah. God will provide. Hallelujah. Now, let's move on. Abraham uh, was, was, was still teaching his son how to walk by faith. Abraham's the father of faith. And, Abraham, and Isaac is seeing all of this. And now it's making an impact on his life. Now later in Genesis chapter 26, let's go there very quickly. Genesis chapter 26. Bible says there was a famine in the land. The Lord appeared unto Isaac and told him, don't go down into Egypt. Uh, Dwell in the land that I will show thee of. Sojourn in this land and I will be with thee. And will bless thee for unto thee and unto thy seed, I will give all these countries and I will perform the oath, which I swear unto Abraham, thy father. So notice God is dealing with Isaac the same way he dealt with his father, Abraham. And Isaac has been taught by his father. Amen. He understands this life of faith. And so in obedience to God, Instead of running to Egypt, which I believe was symbolic of leaning to the arm of the flesh, he went to where God told him to go. And when he got there, there was a famine in the land. But Isaac sowed in famine and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Where do you suppose he learned sowing in famine? From his father. (laughs) He learned sowing from his father. Amen. And he reaped a hundredfold. And the Bible goes on to say that he waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. The message translation says the man got richer and richer by the day until he was very wealthy. Amen. Now later, Isaac has a son or sons. And one of them's name was Jacob. And listen to what Jacob says in Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Verse 21. So that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Where do you suppose Jacob learned about the tenth? From his grandfather Abraham. From his father Isaac. And notice, it was not a command. The command to tithe had not come yet. That comes way down the road. Okay, way down the road. And so once again, it was by choice 
and not by command. I will surely give the tenth unto thee. In other words, I choose to do this. It's the least I could do out of what you've done for me. So it sounds like to me that the practice of tithing had been passed down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and so on. And remember, once again, this is taking place long before the Mosaic law. All right, now, under the Mosaic law, the Bible says this. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 27. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Leviticus, okay? <laughs> Leviticus chapter 27. And verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Now notice this is Leviticus. We're now into the Mosaic law. And here... They are told that the tithe belongs to God. Okay. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 12. And verse 11. Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall ye bring all that I command you. Notice command. You will bring all that you choose. No, you will bring all that I command you. So now we're talking command. Your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your tithes, your tithes. I command, bring your tithes to the place where I shall place my name. And now it is a command. Amen. Verse 14, the latter part of that verse. Thou shalt do all that I command thee. Okay. So now we're looking at tithing differently under the Mosaic law than it was in Abraham's day. In Abraham's day, it was by choice. Under the Mosaic law, it is now a command. Amen. So tithing became a command. And why was this? It's because the children of Israel were notoriously rebellious. They had a history of rebellion. Amen. It became law. The law became a taskmaster. It was to help them. uh, uh, It was to, to help them get on the right path. But since they weren't born again, they couldn't fulfill it all anyway. Okay. But it was, it was like, uh, almost like a goal setter. I'm going to, I'm going to command you to do this. And even though you're rebellious, (laughs) this will help you set a goal. (laughs) Amen. So it became a command and it became a command simply because they 
were historically, notoriously rebellious. Abraham offered uh, his tithes as a choice, and now they're being commanded to do it. All right, now, we get to the famous chapter of Malachi. You you knew I was going to get there, right? (laughs) Malachi chapter 3. I've endeavored to give you a a brief history here. Has it helped? (laughs) All right, Malachi chapter 3. And look at verse 7. Even from the days of your fathers, you have gone astray from my ordinances and had not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, who's he talking to? Rebellious people. Rebellious people. Are you a rebellious person? The NIV says, you've gone astray from my decrees, and you haven't kept them. The New Living Translation says, And you have failed to obey them. Now let me read something here so I don't overlook all of these important notes. (coughs) Excuse me. Israel had a long history and a long track record of disobeying God despite all that he had done for them. At the time that Malachi delivered this word from God to them... Israel was at the end of a very long decline. They had become so distant from God that they hardly even recognized their own mistakes. God's promises to them through Moses were very positive in response to obedience. And you can read those promises in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 14. Those were the promises of obedience. However, at the same time, It also included negative consequences as a result of disobedience. And you can read those negative consequences in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 15 through 68. Remember, and if you shall not obey, then all these curses will come upon thee. And then God tells them that because they have uh, rejected him, they are far from him. They've rebelled against him and they're no longer obeying the command to tithe. He says, you have robbed me simply because of disobedience. Amen. And remember what we learned in Leviticus, the tithe belonged to God and it is holy. They're not bringing the tithe to God. And he declares to them, you've robbed me. Now, I want to I say something here. And he goes on to say in verse 9, and you're cursed with a curse. Now, that's where most of the teaching on tithing comes from. Okay? And a lot of Christians still today think, oh, if I don't tithe, oh, dear God, I'll be cursed with a curse. Let me help you. You're redeemed from the curse. You're redeemed from the curse. Tithing to you should be a choice and not a religious obligation. 
Amen. Amen. All right, now. He told them because they were rebellious, they were cursed with a curse. And remember now, this is under Mosaic law. Tithing was a command. If you disobeyed it, if you rejected it, then you open yourself up to a curse. Okay? You you could say it this way. You invited Satan into your household. Under the new covenant, we are redeemed from the curse. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the what? The curse of the what? The curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. We are no longer under the law. So therefore, we are no longer under the command to tithe. And if we refuse to do so, we are cursed with a curse. Not you and not me. We're redeemed from the curse. Stay with me. We're the seed of Abraham. We're heirs according to the promise. According to Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. But here's a very important point. Go to Romans chapter 4. I could have been a lawyer. (laughs) Romans chapter 4. And let's look at verse 12. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. Now notice here, Paul is telling us that we under grace should continue to walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham. Now, let me say it this way. The Amplified Bible says, walk in the way. Walk in the way that, of that faith which our father Abraham had. The New International Version says, follow in his footsteps. You could say it like this, follow his example. Amen. Now, don't we do that in other things? Didn't we learn from this same chapter, Romans chapter 4, that uh, uh, Abraham... Uh, uh, was fully persuaded that God was able to do that which he, was, he promised. He, he was not moved by Sarah, the deadness of Sarah's womb, neither him being an old man, but he was fully persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised. Yes. That, that's basic steps of faith. Yes. New Testament faith. Yes. And here the Bible says we are to follow Abraham's example in our life of faith. Well, if I'm going to follow Abraham's example, why, why is it only when I'm believing for healing or I'm believing for a, a loved one to be saved, uh, not be moved by what I see, not be moved by what I feel? Why can't I follow Abraham's example in the way he tithed? Amen. By choice and not by command. Don't you never say you ought to be shouting. That's good preaching. Amen. I'm following Abraham's example. By choice and not by command. And I'm not afraid if I, if I miss a tithe one Sunday. 
Oh dear God, the curse is coming. Nope. Nope. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. That thought never enters my mind. Oh, I'm robbing God and I'll be cursed. No, I don't think like that. And another thing is, I don't miss the tithe. If I don't, if I don't, if I'm not here, I'll send it in. When, when, before we started this church and I was a member of Grace Temple and Harold Nichols and Lou Nichols were our pastors, Brother Nichols knew I traveled all the time. And many times before I would leave town on Saturday, I'd drive over to his house and give him my tithe check. And I'd say, Brother Nichols, I won't be here tomorrow, but I want to bring my tithe check. He said, I wish I had more members like you. I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss getting that tithe out of my hands and into God's hands. Amen. Because there's great blessings that come. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm just going to say it again right off the bat. Well, about 40 minutes off the bat. <laughs> I'm going to keep on tithing. You can do whatever you want to do. But it's working in my house and I'm going to keep right on doing it. Praise God. But I do it with a different attitude. I do it as a seed that I sow. I do it as a joy. And I do it as a a demonstration of my gratefulness to God for all that he's done for me. It's the least I can do. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, Carolyn and I give far greater than 10%. You know, when you don't have any house mortgage, you own all your cars, uh, you own all your furniture, you don't have debt, other than, you know, just standard credit card thing, you know, and, and usually we pay that off at the end of the month. Amen. Thank you. Then what else am I going to do with the money God's blessed me with? Be a blessing. <laughs> the greatest outgo in our household expense is our giving. Yes. Hallelujah. Say, so you bragging? On God. <laughs> On God. Hallelujah. I mean, we were, we were coming home yesterday and and Carolyn said, uh, I'm impressed to do something for somebody. And wrote out a check to help somebody, bless somebody. We do that all the time. Amen. Some of you in here have been recipients of it. Amen. Have yes. I ever blessed you, Terry? Yes. Have I ever blessed you, yes. Richard? Yes. Huh? We, we, have I blessed you, Tony? Yes, sir. Tony stood right here one day and somebody gave me a motorcycle. And, and he was believing for a motorcycle. And I had him bring it right in here in the front of the platform. And he didn't know I was going to give it to him. But I preached about giving and so forth. And I said, Tony, catch. And I flipped the keys over to him. And I said, it's yours. Have you ever seen a man that big cry? We live to give. We live to give. Hallelujah. And it's working. It's working. It's working. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, we walk in the way of the faith of our father Abraham. So we follow his example. And Abraham tithed out of choice, not command, 
So I choose to tithe out of choice and not command because I'm following the example of my father in the faith, Abraham. Hallelujah. All right, now, there are great benefits for tithing, even though you're not under the curse in Malachi for not tithing. If you do tithe, you qualify for the blessing. The blessing without the curse. The blessing without the curse. The Bible says in Proverbs, uh, uh, the blessing maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow to it. Amen. The blessing. So let's go back to Malachi chapter 3. And notice in verse 10 once again. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the window of heaven. The windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing. There shall not be room enough to receive it. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Amen. All nations shall call you blessed. That, that's, the, that's the blessing of tithing without the curse. Hallelujah. The message translation says that I'll bless you with blessings beyond your wildest dreams. The revised standard version says I'll bless you with overflowing blessings. Young's analytical uh, commentary says, I'll empty out on you a blessing until there is no space for more. The New Living Translation says, a blessing so great, you won't have room enough to take it all in. The Lampson Translation says, uh, I'll pour out blessings on you until you shall finally shout, it's enough. Has anybody shouted, it's enough yet? Hallelujah. What great rewards, what great blessings there are in tithing. And once again, if you don't tithe, you're not under a curse. Let me say it this way. If you're not a tither, as a New Testament believer, you are not robbing God, you're robbing yourself. Write that down. That'll... That'll carry you a long ways. If you're not a tither under New Testament, you're not robbing God. You're robbing yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. That gave me goosebumps. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I just checked to see if hair fell off my leg. Can't afford any more falling off. I'm 75 and they've grown slick. Well, your legs don't look all that pretty either. (laughs) All right, now. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I may not get to cover all I have learned about this today. But if not, we'll come back and do it again another time. Part 2. I just want to help clear the air. Here's another thing. (laughs) The body of Christ today does not need another excuse to be undisciplined. 
I did, I did this uh, a long time ago, and I pulled it out of my notes. Um, how, what, how I've learned to view tithing. It's not a debt that I owe. It's a seed that I sow. Number two, according to the Apostle Paul, what I sow is my decision. My decision. And we'll read that in just a moment. Number three, I do it as a demonstration of my appreciation and my thankfulness to God for all that he has done for me. Number four, I tithe I tithe because it positions me to prosper more and to experience supernatural increase. Amen. And I also tithe because it helps make me a better disciple. The word discipline comes from disciple or disciple comes from the word discipline. That's what a true disciple of Christ is. A disciplined one. Amen. Amen. And by telling people, tithing's under the law. You're not under the law anymore. You're under grace. Don't tithe. You just gave them another excuse to continue to be undisciplined. Okay. You take it or leave it, praise God. Amen. But I'm responsible for sharing it with you. Oh, there's lots of Christians right now. They're, they're jumping up and down. We don't have to tithe anymore. Ooh, hallelujah, we don't have to tithe anymore. Most of them that are saying that didn't tithe to start with. <laughs> That'd be like me saying, we don't, we, don't have to, we don't have to watch what comes out of our mouth anymore. Oh, hallelujah. You mean I can cuss now? No. But a lot of Christians would do that if, if I said, you're not responsible for what comes out of your mouth. That would give them another excuse to remain undisciplined. But the Bible teaches us in the book of James <laughs> that what comes out of your mouth controls your life. Okay. That's another sermon. So don't, don't look for ways to become more and more undisciplined. Become a disciple. One who adheres to the teachings of the word of God. Practices it all the time. And enjoy doing so, praise God. Not as a chore, but a privilege. Hallelujah. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You know the subject here is sowing and reaping. Verse 6, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, does it sound like to me or to you? It does to me, but I'm asking, does it sound like to you that he's given us the choice of how we sow and how much we sow? I can sow sparingly if I want to. Or I can sow bountifully if I want to. Now, there are times when God specifically tells me what to sow and where to sow. But most of the time, he leaves it up to me. 
Why? Because I've proven to him uh, that's the way I live. Amen. Amen. I think about sowing and, and blessing all the time. Where can I bless somebody? How can I bless somebody? Look at verse 7. And every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Every man as he has purposed in his heart. So let him give. Amen. So now God's leaving it up to you. Sounds like choice. Not command. Choice. Now if you're smart, you'll choose to sow. (laughs) You'll choose to give. And if you're real smart... You, you will set the goal. If you aren't able to do it now, if you're giving sparingly now, set the goal. One day, I'm going to be able to leave, give bountifully. Yes. Amen. 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 He, he, he's given you an opportunity to set goals. And he's given you the choice of what you do right now. But if you're wise, as God blesses you and continues to increase you, you will increase what you give. I started out sowing sparingly. That's all we had. But we sow bountifully now. And we reap bountifully now. Hallelujah. We couldn't do that when we first started. But hey, I've been in this 52 years. I'm not still sowing the same amount I did 52 years ago. It's far greater. And a joy to do it, praise God. All right, now listen to this. So, once again, if we keep reading this, every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver, not grudgingly or of necessity. Now, the Amplified says, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. So now, once again, sounds like we're talking about choice versus command. Yes. Amen. What does compulsion mean? Feeling forced to do so and, and, and afraid that you'll be penalized if you don't. That'd be like me standing up here this morning and saying, if you don't tithe, if you don't give to God, you're cursed with a curse. You're robbing God. Have a nice week. <laughs> you, would, you, would, you would feel compelled to do so. And probably before you walked out the door, you would be sorrowful that you did it. Because your heart wasn't in it. Amen. All right. Not under compulsion feeling forced to do so and and afraid that you'll be penalized if you don't. The message translation says, make up your own mind. Look at your neighbor and say, this is your choice. Make up your own mind. It's your decision. Okay, if it's my decision and I want to keep on tithing, who has the right to tell me I can't? I don't tithe because I think I'm under the law. I tithe because I choose to tithe. He said, let every man, 
Let every man purpose in his own heart. No other man has the right to tell me I can't tithe. And he doesn't have the right to tell me that if I do tithe, then I put myself back under the law. No, I'm not back under the law. I'm under grace. But a man who's experiencing God's grace has chosen to continue to tithe. Why? Because it's the least I can do to show gratitude. Not only that, it worketh. Hallelujah. Amen. The New Living Translation says, don't give in response to pressure. Do we ever pressure anybody in here to give? No. In fact, I could close this certain of Pastor Phil's going to receive the tithes and offerings in just a moment. But I could say, uh, Pastor, uh, we're not going to receive an offering this morning and let you go. I've done that before many times. Haven't I, Joe? I've told pastors where I preach, don't receive an offering for me. We're going to consider this a seed to your church. My time, and I'll pay my own expenses. It'll just be a seed to your church. I don't put pressure on anybody to give. It's their choice. And I I don't put pressure on anybody about how much they should give. It's their choice. Now, I will encourage people to practice giving because it works. Yes. Amen. Amen. I don't ask you to do something I don't do myself. Now the Passion Translation says, let giving flow from your heart. Let giving flow from your heart. Carolyn heard about a need a few days ago, just a couple of days ago. And she wanted to meet that need. She was capable of doing it. And she said, I want to take care of that expense. And from her heart, let giving flow from your heart. She wrote the check out and didn't cry when she did it. Oh, I'm so glad I did it because if I did not be under a curse. No. Out of choice and with joy. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. That's what, that's what the Passion Translation says. Let giving flow from your heart and not from a sense of duty. Not like under the Mosaic Law, but following in the steps of our father Abraham. Choice versus command. It goes on to say, let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves Hilarious generosity. You ought, to, you ought to be full of joy every time you have an opportunity to give. People ought to come in this church and walk through the door and say, when do we get to tithe? When do we get to give our offering? I can hardly wait to get that out of my hands and into God's hands. But no. <laughs> In fact, there was a time in the Old Testament that people had to be told it's too much, stop giving. I look forward to that day. You've given too much. Uh, Don't give anymore. Okay. 
Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves a hilarious, uh, loves hilarious generosity. And then here's God's promise to you. Verse 8. I'm still reading uh, from the Passion Translation. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace. Grace can also be translated favor. God is ready to overwhelm you with every form of favor so that you will have more than enough of everything. Every moment and in every way, he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Hallelujah. So I close it once again with this. I have the right to decide how I give, how much I give, where I give it. Amen. And if I choose to tithe, then leave me alone because I'm going to keep on doing it. Praise God. I rest my case. Come on, Pastor. Pastor.